are back in Luke, specifically Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. The, the past four weeks we were looking at Advent, we were specifically looking at remembering God and, and why um, remembering God is important not just during a season, but for the whole life of the Christian believer. And now we're picking back up in Luke um, Next week will be a little bit weird because it's the first of the month and what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the worshiping church and look specifically at prayer, but then after that we'll be back in, in Luke. But you guys, this, this passage is just incredible and what we're seeing going on here is in chapter 7, one of the things that Luke is doing is testifying to Christ's deity. And so what he's showing is that this Jesus guy is a little bit more than just uh, your typical human. We, we see first that Jesus heals a sick person. But then the next story we're told that Jesus raises somebody from the dead. I mean, Jesus himself actually testifies about his generation. And what we're seeing today now is that Jesus not only can heal the sick, raise the dead, but has the authority to forgive sins. See, the reason why Luke is writing like this is because of what he told Theophilus back in chapter 1, his good friend. He's writing an orderly account to Theophilus so that he would believe that what he has seen with his eyes or what he has heard with his ears can be true because Luke himself saw with his eyes the life of Jesus. And so this this book of Luke is an orderly account to testify to the life ministry of Jesus Christ. And what we are seeing today is incredible. We're seeing this kind of dilemma go on between two different people. We're seeing a a very self-righteous Pharisee who tolerates Jesus, and we're seeing a broken, sinful, dirty woman who is absolutely in love with Jesus. And so as we're going through this passage today, we need to have this on the front of our minds Which one am I? We really need to to reflect and ask this question because this is so crucial for the Christian and for the unbeliever. Because it's far too easy living a life as a Christian to slowly veer after time and become the religious hypocrite, the Pharisee, without even knowing it. And it's far too easy to walk this earth looking for peace in everything that this world has to offer, and yet, ironically, never finding it, but still looking for more. Our passage this morning reads this, starting in verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, 
when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will he love more? Now which of them will love more? Simon answered, The one, I, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kisses, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who can even forgive sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Father, would you please allow our hearts to be stirred by your Spirit this morning? God, that you would give us insight and knowledge into the Holy One. That we would not come here with hard hearts that just totally miss what your Son Jesus is doing in this moment. Father, I... I I ask and plead this morning that if there are, are some of your children in here who have been living a lifestyle of repeated sin, building a hard heart and a conscience, that you would convict them and that you would lead them into repentance and show them that faith leads to peace with you. Father, I'm no fool to think that there aren't some people in here who, who are adamantly against your ways, just totally think this is all just a fairy tale. Would you meet them here this morning and show them otherwise? Be gracious to them. I pray this in your son Jesus' name. 
Amen. It is a common truth that our human nature will tell us well I'm not as bad as so and so right we as humans are are so quick to justify our actions that When we are little kids, or you can even see it in little kids as they're playing with their brother or sister and and the brother pushes the little sister, the little sister pushes the brother back, but the mom and dad catch the little sister pushing the brother and say, don't push your brother. And what does the little sister say? He pushed me first. But it just doesn't stop there. And, and also, right, you don't have to teach a child to say that. As we grow older, it just kind of transforms into kind of sneakier ways. As then when teenagers, and I'm, I'm saying this out of experience, and I'm sure you guys have done this too. When your mom or dad catches you in the act, then you try to justify, well, they were doing this, or at least I, I didn't do this. But then we become adults, and, and we're able to kind of hide it even deeper. And our self-justification then comes in the form of gossip, does it not? A type of gossip that is slander. So I'm, I'm at work and the person I was trying to outbeat for my work promotion gets it. And so now I go behind their back and I start to slander them to make myself look better. Well, at least I wasn't brown-nosing the boss for this promotion. I'm doing it the right way. Our human nature tries to justify why we are better than whoever it is you want to justify yourself against. But what the Bible tells us is that every single person that has ever been created has fallen short of the glory of God. And what our passage tells us today is that even the worst of sinners, let there be light, even the worst of sinners can be saved. As I was reading and rereading and rereading this passage, I could not help but see this, this stark contrast between these two people that Jesus is interacting with. You see, we come to verses 36 through 43, and we get the picture of this sinful woman. We come to verse 36, that kind of sets the stage for us. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. You see, this was a very common custom that a religious leader would do if there was somebody that was traveling through their town and would 
teach at the synagogue. What the Pharisee or the religious leader would do is usually invite that teacher over for dinner and then invite the social elite of the town over for dinner as well. And they would open up the doors and the windows so that way those that were of lower class could come then and hear the conversations that were going on. So what was going on right here is this Pharisee, most likely knowing Jesus, because at this time you couldn't really go anywhere without knowing Jesus, would have invited Jesus over wanting to know, okay, is this, is this dude really a prophet? Is he really who he claims to be? And so he invites him over for dinner, opens up the house so all could come and listen to the theological conversation, the, the political conversation, the intellectual conversations that were going on here. But then we see kind of this party crasher, you could say. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner. When she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. A sinful woman. Now this woman was a prostitute. She was the prostitute of the town and so people would have known about her. And what we're seeing, the picture that is being painted for us is there is this Pharisee, the one who does not let anyone who is unclean come close to him lest he be touched with their uncleanness and then be unclean himself. And now we're seeing this prostitute woman, a, a sinful woman, come to his house. This, this is a, a scandalous thing that's going on here. One, because this, this woman, she, she wouldn't have gone out of her way to really be in public that much, especially in a large group of people like this. Let alone would she have gone to a Pharisee's house because she would have known as soon as she would have gotten to the Pharisee's house that the Pharisee would have done everything possible to remove her from his presence because that could have made him guilty just by association of her being near him. I mean, the woman that we are seeing right here in this passage is seen as one of the most dirty and vile people a part of Israel. See, prostitution back then wasn't scandalized like it is right now. Nobody in their right mind wanted to actually be a prostitute as a way to make money. Only 
coming out of some seriously unfortunate circumstances would it have led to a woman to be a, a prostitute. And so here she is coming to this Pharisee's house with her alabaster flask of, of ointment, which would have probably been around about 300 denarii, a year's worth of, of wages. And what does she do? It says that she went and found Jesus. She knew that Jesus was going to be at this Pharisee's house, so come hell or high water, she was going to be there to see her king. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, Now who knows why she started to weep. Maybe because she had seen her king and she was filled with all of these emotions. Or maybe she was thinking of all of the things that she had done against her king. The lifestyle she had been living. The disobedience that she had been living against her, her king. But all we know is that as she was standing behind him at his feet, she started to weep. And she wept and wept and wept. And our passage tells us that she wept so much that what does she start to do? She starts to wet his feet with her tears. She probably saw that his feet were still dirty. And she thought it was an insult that her king's feet would have still been dirty. And so she wept and and wet his feet with her tears. And then she did something that was even more scandalous to add on top of this. What she then did was she let down her, her hair. And she starts washing his feet with her hair. Now, if we're all just being completely off front right now, this is a very awkward scene. I mean, imagine being at a park with your, your friends and some random woman comes up to one of your friends and takes off their shoes and starts to just cry over them and then lets down her hair and starts to dry his feet with her hair. But I, 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 I don't know about you, but I haven't heard of the hair treatment of pulling off some dude's shoes and then cleaning his feet with, her, with your hair, right? That's no Monet, right? But just upon being in the presence of her king causes her to weep and see that his feet need to be cleaned. And so she then takes her priceless ointment and she cracks it open and pours it on his feet. So then we continue on. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have 
known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And so this Pharisee presumes that Jesus isn't who he really says he is because if Jesus was truly the the prophet that he says he was, surely he would have known that this woman is is a sinful woman, a a dirty woman, and and he wouldn't have let her wipe his feet with her, her hair and wet his feet with her tears. He wouldn't have done that if he was a prophet. Because she is dirty and, and, and she's touching him now. But I love what happens next. I, I don't know if you caught this when I read this earlier. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Now that is awesome. The reason why that's incredible and awesome is because here this, this Pharisee is saying this to himself. He's saying if, if Jesus were really that prophet, then he would have known who this woman is. But Jesus, knowing the thoughts of men, answered this Pharisee and said, Simon, I have something to tell you. And so Simon, out of tolerating Jesus, says, say it, teacher, giving him some type of authority and respect. And so Jesus goes on to tell a story where the punchline is the question. Jesus says, a a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, Now, which of them will love him more. You see, 500 denarii would have been about two, or a year and a half worth of wages, whereas 50 denarii would have been about two months. So take what you make and think about if you were the person owing the 500 denarii debt or the 50 denarii debt. See, this is not a hard question. And Simon the Pharisee knew that it wasn't a hard question, but out of his cold, vindictive heart comes this answer. And Simon answered, the the one, I, I suppose, for whom he canceled a larger debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. It doesn't take very long to see that Simon is just kind of putting up with Jesus and his teachings. Because the answer that he gives Jesus this, well, I, I suppose, Jesus, it's this, is that very common answer to, I don't want to say the right answer, but I've kind of got to say the right answer. would be like this. Imagine with me that you and your neighbor are out at the mailbox talking. You always go and get the mail when you come home from work and you always take time to to chit-chat. And little do you know, you and your neighbor took out a loan from the same guy. We'll just name him, uh, we'll name him Vinny. And so then Vinny sends his friend Frankie, we'll call him. 
come and talk to you both. And so Frankie comes up to you and says, look, both of you owe my boss Vinny some money. And if he doesn't get it, then he's going to get it somehow. You owe a year's and a half worth of your wage. And then he points to your neighbor and says, but you, you, you only owe two months. And next week, I'm showing up here, and if I don't get it, then something's going to happen. And as he starts to walk away, he says something like, I hope you like your liver, or something like that. <laughs> so a week goes by. You've got no way to make up that amount of money in that amount of time. And so Frankie comes up to you and says, Vinny wants to talk to the, to the two of you. And he comes up to the both of you and he says, look, after thinking about it, what I'd like to do is clear you of your debt. Who would be more thankful to Vinny? Well, the obvious answer is you would be, right? Because there was no way that you were going to pay that loan back. But this is the question that we have to ask ourselves. Do you owe 50? Or do you owe 500? And so here's a question that I would like just to propose to you. If you believe that you only owe 50, what makes you so sure that you only owe 50? See, this sinful woman knew how large her debt was, which caused her to move everything, stop everything, and go and find her king when she knew that her king was going to be near to serve him and to show her love to him. This woman knew that her debt was 500. See, the scary thing is that when we become so hypocritical in our thinking, when we become so religiously driven in our thinking, what we do is don't, we, we don't bother to stop and ask this question, am I 50 or 500? And what ends up happening is we start to tolerate Jesus like Simon started to tolerate Jesus. Because while Simon is answering this question, he thinks he just needs the answer to this question, and that's what's okay. But he fails to realize the implications of this question. That the woman may be the, the 500, but, but Simon, you are the 50. And so Jesus goes on to give a stern rebuke to this self-righteous Pharisee. As we read, then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You, you gave me no water for my feet. 
but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You, you gave me no kisses, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You, Simon, you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. I mean, the, the most common way of being hospitable, this Pharisee didn't even give to Jesus. Here, this, this host, Jesus is in his presence. He invited him over, and this Pharisee, Simon, didn't even offer and extend the most hospitable things that the normal person would have extended somebody. I mean, I, I wouldn't have made it back in, in, in first century. I just wouldn't have. Because these people walked around barefoot or in sandals, and I never take my shoes off. I mean, you can ask Sharice. I will wake up, I will put on my clothes, and put on my shoes right away. And then I don't take them off until I go to bed. I am not kidding you. So if you ask me over to your house, I will not say anything but just walk in with my shoes on until you tell me to take them off. And then I'll begrudgingly take, take them off. What is going on here is, is offering water to wash your feet was a common, decent act during this day because they were walking through all sorts of stuff. I mean, you think of the animals that were walking through the streets and then these people walking either with sandals, very flimsy sandals, right? These aren't, uh, what are they called? Chacos or chaco? Uh, I don't there's some type of sandals that people wear I don't know and so you think of the, the mud then that would have been caked onto their feet I mean I, I, I don't know if I'm at liberty to say this but I have to imagine that Jesus' feet was probably pretty disgusting because of the dirt and the mud that was caked on. And this Pharisee didn't even have the decency to give him water to wash his feet. But this woman bowed down before Jesus and got so close to his feet that her tears were direct hits onto his feet. Imagine the smells that she would have smelt. The next common decency that Simon this Pharisee didn't even extend to Jesus was an, uh, um, anointing his head or, or giving him oil for his head. See, back then the, the dirt would have made the hair all, all grimy and, and crusty and all of those things. You see, all this Pharisee had to do was go down to College Ave to the Aldi and pick up a $5 bottle of olive oil. But he didn't even do that to anoint the head of Jesus, to, to wash his, his head so that way he could, he could have kind of this crustiness taken out. When Jesus came into his house, he didn't even greet him with the, the common kiss. This Pharisee is tolerating the Messiah into his house. This Pharisee invited Jesus into his home. Or maybe for us, we've invited Jesus into our hearts. This Pharisee didn't even offer Jesus the most common decency of acts. Or maybe it could be said 
go to church. This Pharisee is tolerating Jesus and not giving Jesus all that he has like this sinful woman. Can that be said about you? Do you tolerate Jesus? It's really easy to say, well, of course I show up to church every Sunday. I'm sure Simon, this Pharisee, would have said the same thing about synagogue. It's easy to say, well, of, of course I, I, I read my, my Bible. I'm sure this Pharisee, Simon, would have said the same thing about the Torah. Well, uh, of, of course I, I tolerate Jesus enough to, to pray for him. Well, I'm sure that the Pharisee, Simon, would have said the, the same thing about Yahweh. But yet, the Pharisee is still only tolerating God so much. Whereas this woman is willing to give up the most precious of things. And is willing to love her Savior with a love that is so great. Why is that? Therefore, Simon... I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgive sins. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. There are some people who will say about this passage that, that it was the woman's acts that saved her. However, if we're looking at the story and we're looking at the acts of this woman, we know that that can't be right. Because in the story that Jesus gives, he says that the person loves the moneylender after the moneylender has cleared them of their debt. And so it is with us. We will never be able to work enough to clear the debt that is in our name. But what we are told is that the money lender forgives us of our debt. And he has done that on the cross. He lived the perfect life that you and I have been commanded to live and then he died the death facing the judgment and wrath that we are bound to face. Rising three days later and ascending to His Father's right hand, He is ruling victoriously right now. And your debt can be cleared. How? By faith. 
Your faith, Jesus says to the woman, has saved you. And it was her faith going to Jesus and loving him like she did that produced those works. And what does Jesus say to those who have been saved? He tells the woman to go in peace. Do you know peace? Do you know peace? Or is your heart in turmoil? You will never be able to do enough good things to find the peace that you are looking for. You will never be able to be as politically correct to find the peace that you are looking for. Sure, you can look to morals to find peace. But when is enough? Sure, you can look to be politically correct in this lifetime, but when is it enough? Faith in Jesus brings eternal peace. You know, a a theologian once said this, the only thing that you've contributed to your salvation, do you know what it is? You know you've contributed something to your salvation, right? It's the sin that made it necessary. But our Savior takes away sin and gives us eternal peace. And some of you might, might be thinking right now, well, I'm not really experiencing peace. I, I've, I've placed my faith and trust in Jesus, but I'm not experiencing this peace. I said e- eternal peace. The, the greatest peace that you could have in this lifetime and the next is peace with God. Trials of various kinds will come. But peace is the boat that will keep you afloat when the storm of trials come. And so I I just want to conclude like this, asking just three questions. How do you see your debt? How do you really see your debt? Do you see yourself kind of as this, well, I'm, I'm morally good and I'm helping Jesus out and, and my debt is maybe $50, but, but I've worked up $40 and, and He'll cover the rest of my bill? Or do you see your debt as 500 No possible way to pay this back 
Because when you see your debt greater than what you may believe it is, greater love increases. And love is part of the DNA of being a child of God. We are told by Jesus that they will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. We are told by John that if you hate your brother, then the light is not in you. And so maybe the question that you need to ask yourself is, do you love little? Because maybe, just maybe, that will reveal to you how you see your debt. Brothers and sisters, this, this woman was able to love immensely because she saw her debt as so great. But she was so captivated by the one who could clear of her, her of her debt. Are you captivated by Jesus? Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you. We thank you for sending your son Jesus who knew no sin but became sin to die to purchase back your people. So I pray that as we leave this morning, that we would leave with hearts stirred to love you more. That through seeing our debt, we love more. Please protect us from being hypocritical, Protect us from being religious Pharisees. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. It's been the 20th time, 50th time, 100,000th of time that you've shared the gospel with somebody, that you've reminded 